Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sean Smith, joined by my co-host, Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Sean, I'm doing well. How are you? Derek, we're throwing it back. We're actually doing Mailbag Friday. Remember when we changed the mailbags? Uh, That's right. At one point, we put them on Monday, and now it's back to Friday. I thought today was the perfect time to kind of dive into some roster talk and the commitment of Antonio Reeves, what's going on with Baylor Shireman, things like that. Uh, we have a lot of questions. You can tell we haven't done a mailbag in a while. So to get to all your questions, we're going to have to split this thing. We're going to talk only roster on this one. And then there's a ton of 2023 recruiting questions that I will get to in a separate episode since I went to Adidas over the weekend and watched some of those guys. And then obviously uh, watched some 24 guys as well, Derek. So I will get into an additional episode to cover that because right now it kind of seems like everybody wants to know what this roster is going to look like and how do we kind of envision it playing out with all these people that they do have on the roster. We still have decisions that we're waiting on that transfer portal deadlines approaching. Does anyone come back and then enter the portal? There's still a lot to play out, but it's finally starting to take shape. It is. And, and bear with me on this podcast. Uh, this pollen in central Kentucky has got me, I'll be messed up today. So uh, I'll battle through. I'll try to hit mute if I have to sneeze or anything. But, Sean, if you're ready, we can hop right in here. Yeah, the, let's let's go with this first one here from Kyle. Will Cal add someone to the staff now that Brad is off to another school? Well, well technically, Brad was under the role. Was it a grad assistant role, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, Derek? Uh, along yeah. with uh, Riley Welch is still there, too. So if they do, it would be another grad assistant for him. There, that's not an official you know, coaching staff position like Bruiser Flint and those others. So uh, if they do, it, it would be someone in a graduate role. Yeah, it would, it would just be someone looking to get their foot in the door coaching. I, I don't even know typically how many GAs UK has. I don't know if if there's even a limit. It might have been a year where, I mean, Riley Welch, you know, basically came into Kentucky, excuse me, to learn how to be a coach. Of course, his dad uh, has been in the NBA a long time and then came here to, to learn under Coach Cal. So, I believe Riley's still going to be here this year, right? So, uh, or maybe he's going to move on too. I'm not sure, but yeah, I'm not. If that is a position that gets filled, it'll it'll likely be from someone who's just trying to get their start. And then looking here too, Kyle has another one. Assuming Jacob Toppin comes back, what will it take for him to be a first round pick? Now, Derek, to me, that's a tricky one because we know that the NBA goes kind of off the the younger guys, right? When it comes to those lottery picks, those first round picks. Oscar Shibway is not in the first round. He wasn't in the first round going into this draft and now coming back. Even after a, a break, another season at Kentucky that's probably going to be record-breaking, like, does he work his way into a first-round pick? I don't know. Like, to, for me, Jacob Toppin, though, kind of fits the mold of what the NBA wants. To me, it would be if he comes back and shoots 37, 38, 40% from three-point range, then I think he's very appealing, especially at that forwards uh, position. But I do think Jacob Toppin is an NBA player. I don't think he's going to be a first-round pick, but I think he could be a second-round guy or an undrafted guy that signs and then has a long career in the NBA. Yeah, I think in terms of where Jacob gets drafted, if it all definitely comes down to his offensive ability, um, how much has he improved that? I think he's got to be able to handle the ball a little bit better than what he has. He showed it at times last year. He was able to put the ball on the floor and get to the rim and finish a little bit. Um, I wouldn't say it was super consistent, but he's shown an ability at times to be able to do that. And then definitely the shooting um, didn't take 
a crazy amount of threes last year. He had a few, banked a few in, I think multiple uh, that he banked in. So I think it would take a lot of improvement from him in one year to get to that. But I'm with you too. I, I think he's an NBA player at some point, but in terms of he would have to really break out, I think, for a team to consider him in the first round. But I think he could be a – if you get him in the second round, he's, he's a, a developmental piece for sure, but someone who – I mean, you can't teach that athleticism. He's got NBA-ready athleticism right now. I think he's going to be a, a pretty good all-around player, but it's going to be up to him to, to develop his offensive game a little bit better, I think, in order to stick in the NBA. Yeah, he's a, he's a really good role guy uh, in the NBA if, if he makes it to that point. I mean – He's only scored 455 points in three seasons in college. You talked about those three-point numbers. Four of 10 this past season for 40%. Four of 13 his first season at UK, 30%. But how about this? He was 13 of 53 at Rhode Island. So that that was a part of his game as a freshman that hasn't been a part of his game at Kentucky. If he wants to get drafted, I think that that has to become a part of his game again and a more consistent part. So that'll be something to watch. Obviously, he's still testing the process. He has a while before he has to remove his name officially, but he is expected to return to Kentucky next season. So I would I would expect Jacob Toppin to be on that roster. Here's one, too, we'll get to just to get out of the way. Uh, Dickie V's comments, and then Chris goes, do you think we're doing legalized cheating? So, Derek, you know, Dick Vitale went to Twitter yesterday and, and kind of stirred the pot with Kentucky fans because it, it came off as that he was – accusing Kentucky of cheating when it comes to NIL and Oscar Shibway with $2 million. It kind of felt like the wrong example to use because uh, that, that's not the player that I think you go after when you're wanting to talk about how it's not a level playing field in college basketball when it comes to NIL. What is legalized cheating? Uh, <laughs> I guess because that's a really good question because to me, I guess he's asking, you know, since – it is approved now that players can make money. Are the schools kind of setting this stuff up and, and where there's money at Kentucky, there's not as much money at such and such school. I still don't think it's cheating. And then, and to me, at what point is anything in life a level playing field? Do we think professional sports is a level playing field? Look at the Reds right now. I'm a Reds fan. Yeah, there's no yeah, level like, playing field out here. There's no level playing field with the, with the Yankees or Dodgers. Like, what are we talking about? There is no level playing field. No, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it was a good example to use, um, especially you're, you're talking about a kid who didn't even get to participate, basically, in anywhere near the NIL earnings he could have made as the National Player of the Year this year. So I think it's probably swing and miss from, from Dickie V. But I think it, it is the Wild West, though. I mean, that doesn't yes. seem to be regulated really at all. Um, I, I can understand if, if the point he's trying to make is that there needs to be some kind of – you know, stable guidelines, there needs to be some kind of reform to this. And I, I don't know that I necessarily disagree. I don't know what the answer is. Um, but I'm with you in the sense that I don't, I don't know that Oscar was the best guy to use there. And he got pushed back pretty quick and uh, things like that. But, I mean, it's here to stay, though. It's, it's probably long overdue, but could it have been rolled out better? Sure. Uh, <laughs> But it's also hard to – I mean, what are you going to put a cap on what someone can make? I don't I don't really know what the answer is to, to that because kids are always going to be – regardless of the NIL money, I mean, Kentucky is always going to be a destination in basketball for people to go to. And yeah. it's probably not a bad thing either if you're – I mean, for Cal, you might not I – mean, I know Cal's close to Dickie V. Um, 
not the worst thing to have it thrown out there that the national player of the year is coming back and kind of make a couple million though in terms of recruiting. I don't think it's the worst thing that could have been said. Yeah, I just I just didn't think it was a, a really good example. And and Kentucky fans let him know it, you know, yesterday. And has uh, there probably, been known to do? Yeah, and and rightfully so on that one. And I, I know that that is uh, you don't talk about Oscar Sheboy. I think this fan base will go <laughs> will fight someone over Oscar Sheboy, regardless of who that person is. So Derek, looking at this mailbag, I say forty percent of these questions are about South Dakota State transfer Baylor Shireman who. Entered the portal earlier this week, had a long list of schools, like every school like that you could name of, especially Blue Bloods and top programs. He's on that, they were on that list that he that was out there for schools to reach out to him. We know he cut his list to 10. Kentucky's on that list. Kansas is on that list. Those seem to be the two schools that are kind of in the running there. There are a lot of questions here that says, are we in a good position for Baylor Shireman, Derek? I really don't know how this one's going to play out. I don't either, but if I had to guess right now and things change quick, I would guess it's going to be Kansas or Kentucky. Yeah. Just based off what he's looking for and his proximity. I think he said he grew up a Kansas fan. Um, one of the stories I read, uh, written about him mentioned, you know, looking at your phone and seeing Bill self-call. Um, so that was the coach that he used in that example, um, just talking about how, you know, he wasn't really recruited out of high school. And now it's kind of surreal seeing those names pop up on his phone now. I, mean, I think there's a big need for Kentucky, at Kentucky for him, as there will be Kansas as well. I know Christian Brown just went to the NBA and they've, you know, losing a few other guys to graduation. But if he's going to go to college, I think those are the two that are going to battle it out. But I, I don't have any kind of true insight to to where he's leaning yeah and and two I said this the other day that this doesn't seem like a kid that's just going to make a decision without getting on campus and visiting right like that that seems to be something that will play out and if it is if it is Kentucky and Kansas and let's say that list was 10 does that list get trimmed to four does it get trimmed to three and then visits get set up like this feels like something that's going to play out well into May before a decision is made so I think the big thing for Kentucky is to say, let's get you on campus. Let's get you here. Let's show you what we're doing. And then two, get some of these other decisions from a Jacob Toppin or a Keon Brooks and, and get those confirmed guys kind of either in the fold or on to somewhere else. That way you can kind of go in and say, all right. And, and Kentucky probably already knows that and is already pitching yeah. that to say, okay, here's what your role is. This is what we are. Now that you have Reeves on board, kind of key in and look at this thing. And then how much, too, can Kentucky – you know there's recruiting that goes on. People recruit against Kentucky all the time. How much can you look at what Bill Self said about transfer portal and all this stuff? Do you, do you think that Kentucky kind of pulls up that video and says, all right, here, here's the other school that you're, <laughs> you're talking about. Here's what his comments are. Here's what we've done in the portal. Here's Oscar Sheboy, who's been the national player of the year. Do you think Kentucky kind of throws that at, at him at all? Wouldn't hurt, I don't think. Uh, well, we know it gets thrown against Kentucky. Oh, you're right. I mean, these coaches, uh, you know, they – I don't want to – I don't know if I want to call it kicking and screaming, but they'll, they'll make comments. But, like, at the end of the day, it seems like everyone besides maybe, like, Dabo Sweeney is willing to play by the – you know, play this new game. It seems like Dabo's going to be pretty firm in a stance to uh, not take transfers or whatever, but – I mean, Alabama – I know we're talking about football here, but Alabama, their best wide receiver, just got picked 12th overall last night. Jamison Williams was a transfer. 
Uh, you look at what it's done for Kentucky football. I mean, Bill Self can say those things, but if you got a player, if your job's to win basketball games and you can get a guy from wherever it is to come in and help you win, you're going to do that. And yeah. uh, they can kind of grandstand on some things, but at the end of the day, UK could use that if they wanted to, but I, I don't think it's going to – if this kid's dream is to play at Kansas or whatever, I don't, I don't think those comments will deter him from doing that. But I think if you're UK, you just got to hope to get him on campus, like you said, show him his fit, how he would be here, whatever other presentations you have with NIL, things like that. And, I mean, I, I think you got a, as good of a chance as anybody, but at the end of the day, it's, it's hard to know. I mean, I don't know exactly what Kansas' backcourt looks like. I know they got a pretty good class coming in. But I, I think the competition at Kentucky is stiff, but I think there's also a clear role for yes. him if he comes to UK. I think he's probably a starter immediately, and, and he's going to be on a pretty good team. So I don't think he can go wrong with either of those schools. Um, but he he's a he's a big need. I, I think he's, what, a top five guy on the portal right now, maybe top three? Yeah. he's To me, he's, he's top priority. You, you do all you can to get him, which then leads us into this. What do you think is his best attribute, and how do you see Calipari utilizing him if he does come aboard? To me, Derek, it's the the thing that I keep going back to with him is how he affects the game in a number of different categories, whether it be points, whether it be rebounds, assists, his three-point shot. He is a versatile backcourt piece. To me, that's what makes him so, like, when you look at these guys in the portal – that's why you go and you, you covet someone like, like that. That's why you want to go get a guy that can come in and play the one. He could play the two. He could play the three. He could probably even go some small ball four, honestly, with his size and, and, and things like that. If you want to get creative, which we know a lot of people are calling for John Calipari to get creative offensively. So I think that would be his best attribute when it comes to joining the roster, but how they utilize him kind of feels like a guy that would be utilized a lot either either off the ball or in pick and roll and as a play starter and a play finisher at Kentucky. I think that he's significantly different than Antonio Reeves, and I think that you would see Shireman doing some more things and getting all these other guys involved, but he can still get his own if he comes to Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, the versatility, like you pointed out, is huge. He's much more than just a shooter, but I – I also think that would be a pretty key attribute to getting him here in terms of what you would need. Who knows what the starting five will look like at this point, but if it is some combination of uh, Sylvia Wheeler and Casey Wallace, I think you could definitely use a wing who can, who can shoot a pretty high percentage from three. Maybe it'll be Antonio Reeves. I, I feel like if Shireman comes here, Reeves probably comes off the bench, but having another guy who I think can consistently hit the three point shot would, would be a, a really important thing for this offense, because even if it's, uh, top in or whoever it might be at the four maybe even Livingston in some cases like from what I've seen from Livingston shooting the ball I think he's got a pretty decent shot but I mean I I don't know what to expect from from those from Livingston or top and yeah shooting the three so I think having oh. a guy who can consistently knock down the outside shot will be pretty important um for that lineup Livingston's really comfortable shooting that shot if his feet are set and I think that's an area that, you know, he has to improve as he gets to college and then he hopes to get to the NBA is to, as a shooter, you want to be able to stretch the floor when your feet are set and ready, but you also want to be able to stretch it when you're not set. You know, you're catching that thing, getting a dribble or two and getting some separation. You did see him hit some shots in these all-star games with the ball in his hands and making moves and dribbles and, and things like that. So uh, 
but yeah, I, I think that obviously Shireman needs to be the top priority, but then gets us into this question. What is the likelihood that we add one more piece, either Baylor or someone who hasn't emerged yet? Derek, I think they have to add another oh, wing yeah. backcourt guy. I just don't think you can go into next season with Wheeler, Frederick, Wallace, and Reeves as your perimeter. I know Livingston could be a three. Is he a small ball four? I know there's going to be some versatility options there. You got Toppin possibly coming back. You never know what happens with Keon. But with the injuries that happened this past season, we saw that four wasn't enough. You have Wheeler, who has been banged up, multiple injuries last year. You have Frederick, who has been injured different times throughout his college career, two different injuries since he's been at Kentucky. You've got to add somebody else. And then you don't want to rely all on freshmen with, with Case and Wallace coming in. And then a guy like Reeves, who coming from Illinois State, you need to add something else. Yeah, absolutely. I do think, um, just from what I've seen, I think in, in terms of how the roster was constructed this year, you know, Dante Allen was there, but clearly someone cowed it and trust to play real minutes. So he, you know, basically narrowed the rotation to uh, Wheeler, Washington, Grady, and and Davion. So, I mean, I feel like Livingston provides a little bit more guard abilities, though, than what someone like Bryce Hopkins yeah. probably did this year. So, I don't think, you know, primarily, I don't know that Livingston, you would want to count on that, but I'm with you. I think you definitely got to add another wing. I mean, I think C.J. Frederick went on the court, could be a pretty good player for Kentucky, but it's his, his uh, injury history. I mean, it's hard. You can't really ignore that. If he gives you 31 games in the regular season next year, that'd be great. But um, I don't think it's even a question. There's there's no way that you go into this next season without adding another wing. Yeah. Yeah, you you have to. I just don't think you roll the dice with, with what you've got. Now, not saying now, if those four stay healthy, I, I could see Kentucky having a lot of success with those four. But staying healthy over the course of a four- to five-month college basketball season – that is very difficult to do. We know that one of those guards or one of these guys is going to tweak an ankle. There's going to be something that's nagging for a couple of weeks. So you want to make sure that you have options there. Uh, and then this question too, based on current roster only, what would be our season record next year? And that's a really difficult question, Derek, just because we don't know the schedule, Yeah, which is very hard. But I would say with the roster as it is, not knowing who they play, I mean, we know like obviously SEC, but – do they play Florida twice? Do they play Tennessee twice, Arkansas twice? We don't know those things. I would say as it is, this is still a team that's probably in that 24 win range, 25 win range. I, th I think they have the, the dudes that could do that. When you get the reigning national player of the year back who adds a lot of wins to your roster, you get the Bob Cousy Award finalist and, and Savir Wheeler. I, I think this is a, a, going to be a good basketball team that's going to be in contention for a top three seed. But now do, do they add someone else that pushes them over the top and gets them to, say, 26, 27, 28 wins? Still remains to be seen. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. 
It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So are we saying neither Toppin or Brooks would be on this team? That's true. I mean, you have to go as that right now, right? Because it's based on current roster. And I just wrote a, a long story, honestly, about everyone that is confirmed coming back. And, yeah, I didn't have those two on there until we get something official. So, yeah. All right. So, if that's the case, then it would be very difficult, right? You have Damian Probably Collins. Collins, yeah. yeah. We don't have anything on Lance yet that's confirmed, but we all expect him to return. I'm going to throw Toppin in there, though. I'm going to, yeah, I'm I think we should just to make yeah. it easier to answer the question. That's where I, I was including Toppin when I said twenty. Well, if you don't, uh, if you don't put Toppin and Brooks, and you, I don't, you would have to go off of every single other team that UK might play who has guys right now in that. Yeah, uh, who have who have declared for the draft yet maintain their eligibility, and that's just way too hard to even discuss. But I, I think if Toppin is back, yeah, and they don't add somebody else on the wing, I would say like twenty three eight and eight maybe. Something like that. I think it's still a pretty good team, uh, 24 and 7, maybe. But if you get another high profile wing, I think this is certainly a, uh, this should be a 25, 26 win team minimum, I would think. I, I can't imagine. I mean, I think the, the SEC is going to be so strong, you're going to lose some road games. But I think it's another team that shouldn't lose in a row. Um, and like you said, it's hard to not. They do play Michigan this year, right? Michigan should have a pretty good team. Yeah. Yep. Will be, will be a pretty tough game. Uh, who they got in the Champions Classic this uh, year? Michigan State. They got okay. They should win that game. And who they have in CBS? What is is it? The Ohio State year should be. It was played UNC back to back, so I'm yeah. really confused as to how this works now. It was supposed they've not played Ohio State since the Hagen's year. When's the last time they so played? That means they've not played UCLA in a yeah. hot minute. Yeah, so that would be an interesting game, but one I think UK should should win. So. I mean, I think, you know, going to Knoxville is always tough. You can guarantee the SEC is going to send them to Auburn and send them to Arkansas. So They're, they're going to get Arkansas twice this year. Yeah. But I think I think this will be a strong enough team that they – unlike this year where it seemed like they weren't really able to pick up a quality SEC road win. Of course, they had the, the great win at Kansas. But in terms of picking up a really quality SEC road victory, they're going to get a couple this year that they didn't get last year, assuming they're healthy. Because <laughs> that was a big thing last year as to why they weren't able to. And let's get into a few more roster questions here. Uh, can we win a national championship without anyone over 6'9 on the roster? And is Oscar really even 6'9? The teams that beat us and gave problems last year all had bigs. Big O had to hold back uh, defensively to stay out of foul trouble and had trouble scoring over them. A Leonard Miller to beat those teams, question mark. It's a, it's a good question, right? I mean, as it stands, Lance Ware is 6'9", Damian Collins 6'9". Uh, I think Jacob Toppin's even listed at six nine, right? I think Jacob Toppin might be taller than all of them. Yeah, like <laughs> I know the hair though. I don't know. In those camps last summer, he was definitely right there with them. Um, I don't see them adding anyone at that spot, so it has not to if be. Lance is still here. There's, they're, yeah. they're not, they won't add anybody. Which then gets into the next question too: Are we still interested in Janai Broom? So the transfer there from Moorhead State, maybe a two-year guy, practice partner for Oscar, backup for foul trouble, injury. If Oscar goes out, we have nothing resembling a center. Some nights, two bigs might be the answer. 
I kind of, I kind of written off Janai Broom coming to Kentucky the moment that Oscar Shibway came back because it felt like a, a piece like that. Derek wants to go somewhere where he can shine and he can develop into a pro instead of having to play behind Oscar or alongside Oscar. But if there, if if Janai Broom called Kentucky right now and said, "Hey, I want to come," you you definitely take him. Yeah, I've not, I've not heard any kind of rumors at all with Janai since then. I think my guess is they end up seeing him though. I bet he ends up at an SEC school, um, whether it be Auburn or Florida, which I don't. Florida got Castleton back, um, but yeah, I don't know how tall is Broom. I think he's what six ten or six eleven, maybe. I don't know what he's listed at. Twenty four seven. His recruiting profile is listed at six eight, but Morehead State has him at six ten. Take it worth a grain of salt right i mean who knows yep. how tall these guys really are <laughs> uh no nah, i just i've not heard like, anything on him lately either no it's he's gone quiet he's another guy too he, you know he's his name is in the draft and but i don't i don't think he'll be picked this year i think i think a lot of these guys transferring up it just makes logical sense for the nba to want to see them another year at a at a high major school i mean they're already on the radar so just go see how they perform um against bigger schools sorry um gonna send a phone call back here in a minute once we get up here but uh yeah I, I don't know i guess i hadn't thought about the height that much um i just tend to think with oscar there and the the strides that damien should make and then top and being there I, I don't know i think they'll be fine in the front court and let's get this one out of the way let me find it here we obviously have questions about Amani Bates we have questions about Patrick Baldwin Jr uh so right here if that's if it's true that Patrick Baldwin Jr is entering the transfer portal should we make him a priority over Baylor Shireman or should focus on trying to get a commitment from Baylor which one do you feel would be the better fit for us me personally I want Shireman yeah I'm the same way Baldwin's potential if you can figure out a way to like what Baldwin could do for you athletically in terms of if he met his potential, is he a better player than Shireman? Probably. Yeah. Just based on his natural gifts. But I'm I don't want to take that chance. If you have a have a guy like Shireman who you already feel pretty good about stepping into next year's team. But Baldwin is intriguing though, I think, if if he does choose to go to college, he would be kind of a good second year project for somebody because I mean he was a guy that came into college what projected top ten pick something like that so a lot of tools there if you're able to work it out but i think for kentucky shireman does so much for you and i think he's much more of a finished product per se that's really not even a debate in my mind i think you're taking shireman all day yeah that pretty much answers this one says you can only pick one would you would you pick who would you pick to finish out the roster shireman baldwin or mosley I don't so, know much about Mosley. I saw he went in yesterday. It seems like he's a pretty good player. Um, but I would go Shireman. And then two says also, are you hearing anything about Brooks' status, NBA, UK, or Portal? I'm not at the moment. I know that John Calipari did not mention him on that Friday morning radio appearance a, a week ago with Mike Pratt and Dan Issel. He mentioned Jacob Toffin by name. He mentioned Lance Ware by name. Savir Wheeler, this is before that decision was official. Uh, so I, I don't know if I should look too much into that, but the transfer portal deadline is coming up yep. pretty soon, May 1st. So if that deadline passes, 
and Keon Brooks has not entered the portal, then he will either be at UK next year or he'll be playing professionally in some capacity. Uh, to me, Derek, and, and I'm not going to get into who's better, who's not better for the roster when it comes to who should be here at the four spot, but if this roster includes Jacob Toppin, Keon Brooks, Damian Collins, Chris Livingston, it kind of feels like the worst situation, honestly. It just feels like a log jam at a spot where – and not saying that Livingston plays the four. Let's say that they don't add anyone else and Keon comes back, Toppin comes back. I think that's the only way they don't go add another piece because then they just ride it out with Livingston at the three and then those guards kind of interchanging one through three. But it just creates a log jam that I think taps into some potential for a Damian Collins or a Jacob Toppin who I think have higher upside than a Keon Brooks. Yeah, I think I, I maybe like Keon a little more than the average fan. Um, but in terms of fit for next year, I, I don't I don't think they need both Keon and Toppin back for another year. And uh, so, I, I don't know. I, I don't expect Toppin to stay in the draft. Uh, Keon, I mean, I wouldn't try to run anybody off. I mean, hell, if he wanted to stay, he'd be like, what, the – second player to stay four years uh <laughs> recruited out of high school so um but if you were to lose brooks and add someone else like who's a more true wing i think it helps the roster construction much more because uh if you get into a situation where you got keon and top and back again like cal's liable to play one of those dudes as a three or make livingston exclusively a a three um so in that regard while i wouldn't try to run anybody off necessarily I feel like even a guy like Keon or, or Toppin or whoever will look and, and see that it could be a little congested. And if you can go somewhere else to maybe get more looks, get some more minutes to, to help your professional future, I think – I'll tell you this. If Keon Brooks does go to the transfer portal, he's a high major player. I have yeah. no doubt about that. I mean, he, he would be a good pickup for somebody, I think. And I think he could go somewhere else and – and have a pretty good season, but just in terms of this roster construction, I don't, I just don't see both those guys back next see, year. See, see, that's my takeaway is I just think that when you look at it, it just, it just doesn't make sense, and and that's where it gets difficult, right? Let's say both these guys say, hey, "I want to come back." What does John Calipari's conversations like? Does it okay? We take you both, or or what? Because those decisions got to be made soon. So let's say Keon comes back, Toppin comes back, the portal deadline is approaching quickly. Let's say that deadline passes and then those guys decide to come back. Then you're, but maybe they're already on that same page. Maybe those conversations yeah. have already happened, Derek. I don't know. I'm not inside that office. I'm not talking to the families as an approach from John Calipari. Uh, so, so I don't know. Maybe I, I might reach out this weekend and see if I can get something on, uh, on one, on two of those guys and kind of maybe get an idea going into next week uh, what happens. But it feels like this roster, when it comes to who's returning, it should, it, to me, it should happen in the next few days to a week. We should know. And then it becomes, do they add someone from the portal? So let's just assume that Shireman is on this roster because this is a fun question here. What's your starting five and then best offensive lineman or offensive lineman, thinking NFL draft, <laughs> offensive lineup if Baylor joins UK? So if that is if that's how they round this thing out, let's assume – is it easier right now to assume Jacob Toppin's back over Keon Brooks? I would say yes, but I don't know that I really have a good explanation. Maybe it's because Keon's had 
rumors that like last year that he was going to leave. I don't, I don't know. Like if I, I couldn't give you firm evidence as to why I don't think Keon will be back next year. I just I don't think feel he, like he won't can. be. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're exactly right. I think it's just the situation around it, a three-year guy. And, and we know that flirted with the portal last year. Yeah. Well, my lineup, uh, normal starting five with what I think Cal will go with would probably be Wheeler for sure. I think Case and Wallace, Cal's going to love. And then I would probably guess Shireman, Toppin, and, and Sheboy. That's that's kind of how it is in my mind. Offensively, though, I think you got to have Reeves in there, no question. I would say Reeves, Wallace, Shireman. That's where it gets a little tricky to me. Um, how how likely is it that Livingston's a four? That's why I guess that's a question I would like to have answered. Yeah, that that's the one that it's kind of we won't know until I mean two six six guys, right? Like that would be a small ball on them because Shireman's six six. Reeves is like six six. Wallace is what six? I don't know how tall Wallace is. Not as tall as those other guys, but um, and then I would still have Oscar out there, obviously. I, yeah. Uh, but that could that could be subject to change. If Damian Collins shows a, a consistent jumper and some offensive skill, I, I think you can definitely play him with Sheboy out there. Um, or even if if Damian has an ability to step out and hit some threes, I'm not convinced that Oscar can't shoot threes either. By the way, I mean I don't know if you want him taking fifty threes this year. But he had a pretty good touch on his jumper uh, this year. I mean, I, I think he can definitely step out a little bit more. But I also feel like Cal's not going to be interested in uh, trying that out too much this year. But Damian, if he can do it, then maybe you could see a lineup where you have five guys who can all hit the outside shot. Um, I don't know. I think I think there's some good potential, though, with, and, with the roster offensively. And, and my lineup was the exact same as yours. I think that's a John Calipari lineup, the best offensive lineup. I think is Casey Wallace, Reeves, Shireman. I would throw Livingston in there and run small ball four, and then Oscar. I, I think that would be my pick. But you also got C.J. Frederick, uh, arguably Kentucky's best shooter that we him. haven't really even factored to into it. So if uh, if your best shooter is available, I'm assuming you're probably your best offensive lineup includes your best shooter on the floor. Yeah, that's a good point. So, but and then if you have Shireman, then you got two dudes that can flat out shoot it, and you got Reeves. So. Do you run Reeves at the point? I, I don't know. Like, well, pretty notable that you know, this should not shock anybody. But you know, Savier is a good creator. You know, you you could you could look at him that way and say, I want this guy facilitating to others. But just pure offensive skill. I mean, it, it's hard to have Savier in that lineup. I would think. And then let's go with this one to wrap up here. Was the 2015 38-1 team the worst thing to ever happen to Cal? I think it set an unreasonable expectation for Cal for years to come. Very good question. I don't think that the pursuit of perfection was the worst thing to happen to Cal in a sense, but I think that that team being that dominant, we know should have won the title. You play that season out ten times, they probably went at seven to eight. Yeah. I think it's just that Kentucky hasn't been close to being dominant since is what has been the worst thing to happen to Cal. Like exactly. that, getting yeah. that close and then not being dominant again. is if, if Kentucky had had dominant teams after that, I don't even think we'd even – I mean, sure, we'd, we'd look back and think, dang, they were so close to doing that. But I don't think it would be the, the point to where everybody points and say that's where it all changed. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think it was uh, the worst thing. I don't, I don't think fans – really expect like 40 and uh, like that that in itself uh, i think most people can can look at as a super unique scenario where basically everything came together to where they could have a 
a superstar team like that where, where you had 10 guys you could legitimately play and, and, des- and deserve minutes. Uh, I'm, I'm totally with you. I think it's just more so that they haven't really gotten back there. I mean, you have some people too. I don't think it's really a fair narrative. Like that 2017 team was good. Like that was a good team. They lost to the national champ on a buzzer beater. I think Kentucky probably wins the title that year if they get back, get past North Carolina. Beat beat a really good sweet uh, UCLA team in the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, sweet Sixteen, a team that came to Rupp and beat Kentucky that year. I mean that that was a good team. Uh, so I don't I don't I don't really agree that they haven't had a, a worthy title team since 2015. But with that said, I do think 2017 was probably the only other team in that list. 2019 was obviously really close. Should have been in a Final Four, didn't quite make it. Um, 2020 had its ups and downs. Who knows what would have happened last year? Or 2021 was obviously a disaster. And then this year, felt like for parts of the season you had a team that that could make a run. But I, I think it's I don't think it ruined anything. It was just there. There has been a clear drop off though in terms of overall ability. I think on these teams from take out 2013. You know, that 2014 team that struggled through the regular season yet made it to the national title. I mean, a lot of really good college players on that team. I mean, you, you take that talent level over what they've put out these last few years, no question. So I think that's the the bigger thing. And I think it's something they can get back to. Um, but it's a different world now in terms of the college, the, the college game of 2010 through 2015. I mean, it's different now with the yeah. portal and NIL. It's I don't know how dominant how many dominant teams will be out there anymore i don't either and uh gonna go rapid fire with just three here just getting them out there uh somebody asked me you mentioned before the season ended that you had your eye on a power five conference big for a potential portal piece can you name him now i won't name him if not enter the portal did he enter, enter the portal or draft no he returned to college and his team got it figured out so hopefully that gives you <laughs> some <laughs> there on who i was uh hitting at i know that there was some buzz there in December, January, about that being a possibility. Also, had he left for Fordham, who's on the short list to replace Bruiser? Not really sure about that position, Derek, when it comes to special assistant to the head coach. I don't, I don't know if that ever opens up. You would you feel like it would be maybe a veteran coach that Cal has a really good relationship with, maybe someone he's worked with in the past, maybe someone – that he's coached with in the past, whether it be NBA or the collegiate level. Uh, so I, I don't really know any names. you know anyone you'd want to throw out possibly if that ever happens? No, I don't have any names either, but I think you're on the right track because it's a guy who wouldn't be recruiting, right? He's just uh, yeah. off court. I mean, you, I think you'd want a, a really good fundamental coach with the X's and O's and someone who you don't even really have to worry about going out on the trail. So when you add it that way, I mean, there's a pretty long list of guys you could – you could probably go fine, but I, I don't. No one jumps out to me though. Could he? Could he pull a Larry Brown? Uh, he he popped into my mind. I wasn't really sure what was going on there, or, and even though he like wouldn't be doing much uh, recruiting or whatever, I mean he's had a pretty long history of. <laughs> he was just on. Is he was he still at Memphis or I don't know what happened there. Yeah, yeah. Um, still there. So by the way, I yeah, saw I Mike know. Miller. Saw Mike Miller walking around at Adidas last weekend. I'm pretty sure his son is on that circuit, right? Sounds right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then wrapping with this one, we'll close it up. Do you think we're underselling Reeves? Kind of, it kind of gives me a JD Note vibe from Arkansas. We didn't think Oscar would do the things he did. 
-hmm. not saying that this kid will score 20 here at all, but he may be better than we all realize. And that's possible. Like he may get here and be one of their better players on the roster, one of their better scorers. The only thing that I was coming from when it came to his averages per game, we've seen transfers like Reed Travis come to Kentucky, be better players, but their numbers not reflect it from what they were at Stanford. Uh, Kellen Grady went from 18, 17 points a game at Davidson to 11.4 at Kentucky. We know that the role at Kentucky is just different. There's not as many shots, not as much, not as maybe, maybe for Grady, he played the same amount of minutes, but not as many minutes for these guys. That's where I was coming from when it comes to Reese, probably rounding out somewhere in that 10, 11, 12 point range with potential to go off for 20. He did score 34 versus Valpo last year. So we know he has potential to do that, but that's where I was coming from on that Derek so uh as we wrap up here anything you want to add before we close it no just that Reeves has a good trajectory you mentioned it on the show the other day his numbers have gotten better every year he's taken on a bigger role in college every year but this will be an adjustment for him I mean he's this will be a team that every single guy in that backcourt is probably as good as he is and he'll have to fight for minutes more here and he'll have to play more within a within a system I mean it's it'll be a different role for sure but it's it's hard to watch his highlight tape and watch him offensively and not be excited about what he can bring. I mean, I'm with you. I think he'll have some games where he really shines. There, there might be some games where he carries them offensively. So it's it's hard to think that any transfer is going to come in here and you probably won't ever get a guy who's a better transfer than Oscar. I mean, that's just not realistic to expect someone to leave their school and come be the national player of the year. Um, but I, I like Reeves. I said that the other day. I mean, I, I thought he, he fits a very specific need, I think, offensively for them. But can he defend the way Cal wants? Can he can he fit in with other guys? I mean, there, there's some question marks there. But that offensive ability, I mean, it doesn't lie. He's he's had good games against Power 5 teams. I think I think he'll be a good player at Kentucky. But I don't know how – I don't know, one, what people expect, and two, I mean, I think he could probably be a, a double-digit scorer, though, average double figures. Yeah. If they don't add anyone else, then yeah, yeah. Oh, he'll, yeah, he'll have to be if they don't add anybody yeah. else. But uh, so there's there's still some stuff to play out here. I want to thank you all for downloading and listening to this podcast, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're charting inside the top sixty. Uh, it's been there for the last week or so. We've got a lot of episodes out to you. Help us close the month on a strong note. I will record a mailbag talking about 2023, talking about what I saw at Adidas. Uh, plan to do that earlier in the week, and then Reeves. And everything, it started unfolding, and we got some more episodes and some content for you. But as always, this show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.